The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Talking to you on the internet, and you can hear us all over the world. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and I got my man Tony Bowie here in the studios. And it's time for us to talk about some NBA championship. Tony, how you doing there, man? I'm doing good and glad to be here. Man, I am so glad. I, it, it's championship basketball. I tell you what, the NBA can call it what they want to. They can call it, hey, it might be Christmas in June. It might even be uh, the Super Bowl or the NBA's version of the Super Bowl, but what it really is, it's Game Seven. Game Seven. And you, you listen. Game Seven is it. There's no tomorrow. You know, it's unique in the sense that it doesn't happen. How many times has it happened before Game Seven, Tony? It's happened 105 times in the history of the NBA. A hundred and the, the NBA has been around. God only knows how long, but only 105 times. And of, of the 105 times that it's happened. Uh, what are the chances that the road team is going to win this game? Well, it, it, it is very low. In uh, of the 105 times, it's only been won by the road team 21 of those times. So that's approximately 20 percent. Wow. Well, listen, I got a lot of friends out there. I mean, it, it's the time of the year that you know the game seven is like the Super Bowl. It makes everybody in the world who is a sports fan sit down and watch. If you're not at the game, you got to watch the game and you got to you got to pick a team. You got to choose a team. I'm not going to put Tony on the spot right now, <laughs> but I got a couple of fellas out there. We got fellas calling from all over the world going to be calling in because you know, football, we're accustomed to this thing of just one game. You know, win one game and go home throughout the playoffs. But then it's like one big game decides the championship. And, and like you said, Tony, NBA, every now and then, they're, they're really happy if they get this game seven because they're not always guaranteed a game seven. No, it, 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 it extend, extends the, uh, you know, the visibility of the NBA and really shows, uh, you know, the fact that there's parity when you get to these type of games. And I think most people that want to see a game seven, you know, you don't want to see uh, blowouts, you know, uh, you know, four uh, series. And we had or, those all yeah, in the playoffs. It, it, yeah, it, it, early it was ugly. Now, it's gotten think, better. What do you think the reason was? I mean, how do you get in the playoffs and, and get swept? I mean, how those other teams early on in the play? How would they get? What kind of frame of mind could they have possibly been into? You worked the whole season to make it to the playoffs. And I know there was at least three or four teams that got swept in the NBA series, champion, uh, headed to the championship series. Mm-hmm. I, I think there are too many teams that actually get into the playoffs. I think it, when you look at seven, eight, m- most of the time it, it's uh, it are teams that it, 
you know, you know aren't going to win. Um, so the first round for, you know, for the first and second seeds are typically, you know, walkovers. Wow. Okay, we got, like I said, the fellas are going to be calling in because everybody, it's that time, you know, everybody want to talk about who they got and, and who's going to win. I got my man Jairus McIntyre out there. Jairus, of course, a former wide receiver with the Kansas City Chiefs. Jairus, what's up, man? What's going on? What's going on? Man, I don't know. You got to you got to tell me it's, it's that it's that time of year, you know. It's 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 tonight it's like you win, you get a ring. If if you don't, nobody remembers whoever <laughs> or who played the game. So, you know, for us in football, it's always that way, but basketball is a little different. Let me ask you back in the day besides playing football, did you play a little basketball too? Yeah, I play a little basketball, a little baseball, a little basketball both. Yeah, man. So let me ask you something. The mindset of a basketball player when you see it, see in the pros for us in football, it doesn't work like this. But I mean, but the basketball teams have actually had a chance to play. You know, it, it's a seven game series. So they actually, you know, both teams have already lost three games yeah. and could always say, well, that's OK. You know, we got the next game. You know, football's different. Am I right, Jairus? Yeah, You're right. You're right. I mean, football. It seems like pretty much every game is do or die. With basketball, you know, they already play, what, 82 games plus, what, another 20, 30 playoff games. So it's completely different, actually. So when, it, so when it's like that, do you think the mindset of getting ready for a game, is it as intense as it is when you're playing football, when you know, hey, man, okay, we got to do this is it? I mean, is this the only chance that basketball players get a chance to really see what it's like for football players? Is this game here? Yeah, this is game seven. I mean, players and coaches alike, because like, like uh, I saw on TV uh, well, earlier this week, Phil Jackson's never coached in the game seven. So, I mean, this is new to him, and he's won, you know, multiple rings. So, it is completely different. Hey, just I got my man Tony Bowie in here, too. Tony, of course, played down at Tampa Bay. He he said Phil Jackson had never played, coached a game seven before. Yeah, that, that's seriously, I've never heard that. You know, I'll find out right now. Yeah, but he but in saying that, because, Jairus, uh, let me ask Tony this question. I, I was a little concerned going into last, to the last game that the Lakers were going to be overwhelmed with the pressure from Kobe because Kobe's looking at some history. But you've done your research, and the history that Kobe is trying to, to accomplish and, and things he's trying to achieve and the goal he's – the person he's chasing, he's a long way from that. So – there's now some Phil Jackson kind of pressure here too. So it's some pressure from Phil Jackson, from Kobe Bryant. So so tell me, you know, Bowie, are they going to be able to hold up to that? Yeah, you, there there is pressure on on several forefronts. You've got uh, Phil Jackson. I, I believe he would be the all-time winningest NBA championship coach if he wins this series. He, you know, I think I believe he's tied right now. And then you have Kobe that is trying to get closer to. Uh, you know Michael Jordan, his championships. Um, you know, and, and and we'll talk about this later. But I've I've done comparisons on Jordan versus Kobe, just straight numbers. Wow, and it's it's not even close. Well, hold on for a second, both of you guys, hold on. We, we we got Boom calling in from California, and if he calling in from from California, he he has to be an LA fan. Boom, you there? Boom, 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 boom. Uh oh, <laughs> California, straight up like a fan. Laker fan. Now, wait a second. There's a lot of pressure going on out there in L.A. Are you a fan? You're a Laker fan. Are y'all putting a whole lot of pressure on this team to win? I mean, if they don't win, is it a bust? No, you know what? There ain't no pressure on winners. Winners don't have pressure on them. They just go and do their job and get it over with. You know, this is the Lakers' place. This is where we always – the pressure for the Lakers is when we play the best. We're good under pressure. That's how L.A. is. When we're under pressure – 
we're good, and we're good under pressure. So Kobe going to come out tonight. Odom going to come out tonight. Gasol going to come out tonight. And Showtime going to be out tonight. You're going to see what Showtime is all about with these Lakers. Well, no. you know, the thing about it, you know, the stage is set. This is game seven. How much is he getting paid? I, I, <laughs> hey, Boom, are you on the payroll? I'm on payroll. Well, Boom, listen, it, it seems like the, sta- the stage is set. The stage is set. The game seven is in L.A. I mean, it's, it's Hollywood. All the That's stars are going to be out tonight. It's going to be a big party. But is it going to be a, is it be a premature celebration? Do you guys already think the game is won before you play? Oh, the game is out. Yeah, it's over. We're already celebrating, boom. We, we, you know, we are already getting our uh, champagne out, and we're already doing a little celebration. Because you know what? This is home court advantage. And like I said before, when we're at home, we play best. Look at our record at home. It speaks for itself. Well, Boom, I'll tell you what, man. I appreciate you calling in out there. You know, I know you got the Boom Boom Room going on out there in L.A. I hope you guys have a good time. But let me ask you something. In, in the Boom Boom house, is is everybody in the house Laker fans out there? Well, we got a few that's bandwagon Lakers. You know, they get on the bandwagon <laughs> when the Lakers is winning, and they off the bandwagon when they lose it. But if you're a diehard Laker, you in for the long haul. Well, Boom, I tell you what, I, I hope you get another flag up in the rafters because I don't want you to be disappointed because it sounds like that's going to be a terrible fall for you in the event that your team doesn't win. So, listen, I appreciate you being a, a fan of the show. I appreciate you supporting them Lakers. And I tell you what, if they win, give me a call. If they don't, I, I, you know, I, I'll send you some condolences. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Stay away from sharp objects when oh, they lose, man. Boom. Hey, 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 Jarris, listen, but but that's the that's what we like. We if you're gonna play the game at home, you don't wanna walk into your home court or on your home field and your fans not be in the game. Yeah, they're gonna be in it. They they're winning game six. I just saw that energy and I think that energy gave, you know, the team that energy. And, you know, with that being said, with this game seven, I, it's gonna be crazy. It's gonna now, be real crazy after the night. Nice now show. it's interesting you say that because, you know, you talk about energy and we talk about home court advantage. You know, fellas, we've played pro sports, all of us, for so long. I'm going to ask Tony, Tony, is there such a thing as a home field advantage? I mean, what is that? I really can't describe what that is. Yeah, you know, as a player, obviously you are preparing and you're in the the field of the game no matter – if it's the last game in the game seven or it's the, uh, you know, playoff game in in the NFL. Um, The only advantage, I think, is – when you do something well, you hear the roar of the crowd when you're the home team, and that may give you some additional adrenaline boost. But when it comes down to, you know, you're in a tight game and this is a playoff or a game seven and you're going against the person directly in front of you, you know, you have that, that, that internal adrenaline and instinct just to want to beat the guy. Um, so, I, you know, I'm not too sure if, if it's going to be all that big of a deal in game seven. And, and to go back to uh, to Jarish, you're right. This is Phil Jackson's first Game Seven in a final. Uh-huh. First. So, so Jarish, let me ask you something. You know, you've been around a lot of coaches. You played at the highest level. Do you think coaches get nervous? Could Phil be feeling some jitters himself? Never been in this position before, where he's in Game Seven and he might lose his championship game. Uh, it's tough to say. I, I could say uh, if he would, had never won a ring, or if he only has one. 
he could be in that, you know, situation where he's thinking like, oh, man, you know, and in that, you know, kind of feeling nervous and real, you know, tight. But I think Phil has coached so many games and has been around so many players that it's probably just going to be another game for him. Well, that's hard to call game seven just another game. But you know, Tony, you also know that when we prepare for these type games, that's exactly what they are. It's just another game, and you're supposed to prepare for it like this is just another game because when you start trying to do something different than what you normally do, yeah. that's when there's problems. Yeah, that puts you at a disadvantage. Yeah, and so, and so the mindset is to approach, guys, this is a game. It's the same amount of time. It's the same rules. You were still playing with a basketball, still got to put the ball in the hole, still got to play defense, can't turnovers. You know, we just got to go out and win, you yeah. know. So, so that's interesting that, that you take that approach. And, and, I, and I would hope that perhaps maybe uh, it's that kind of game. Now, let me ask you, Jairus, when th- this game tonight, you, you say you heard a little bit about, you know, what's happening with Phil, and this is his first game seven. Uh, but this is the championship game. Uh, Phil is very much familiar with something that's called the Jordan rules. Do you think he's going to see the new version of the Jordan rules applied to Kobe Bryant tonight? <laughs> I think so. I mean, I look at Kobe as Jordan number two. So that answers your question right there. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, we got some stats over here. Yeah, we're going to get to those a little bit later. <laughs> after- well, yeah, 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 yeah. He has the stats for me, so I don't know. I'm just looking at from the walk. You know, the way he's shooting everything like that, I'm just going off of that. I'm not going off the stats. But, yeah, I think it will be some Kobe rules tonight. Okay, so in other words, uh, and, and, and I'm, and I'm going to ask you this question here, of course, Tony. The Jordan rules, the referees prior to those series of games against Detroit being over with, long over with, mm-hmm. didn't really find out about the Jordan rules. Now, you know, we, a lot of people are thinking there needs to be some Jordan rules applied to Kobe Bryant tonight if that's what you you got to do to stop him. You know, the, the hack-a-shack. You know, other people have actually used the hack-a-shack on some other players besides Shaq. You know, as a matter of fact, I think they called for it the other night on Rondo. Didn't happen, you know, because it's effective. The game tonight, if, if the Kobe rules are applied, is that game going to be called differently? Are they going to let them beat him up tonight? What do you think? You know, for from a from a fan perspective, um, I'd like to see them really challenge him. You know, the Jordan rules for people who who don't know is that it was a defensive strategy uh, employed by the G- Detroit Pistons against Michael Jordan, and what they did is they really played him tough, physically challenging him, uh, and to and varied their defenses to throw him off balance. I mean, they would punish him. To, to make sure that every time he came to the, to the hole that he was going to go to the line and he was going to be punished for it. Um, whether or not the, the, uh, the referees allow the, the Celtics to do that to, uh, to, to Kobe is, is going to be an interesting point, and we'll see. Wow. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, we also got somebody uh, joining us. As a matter of fact, uh, I got my man uh, Barry who has joined us. Uh, Barry, of course, is... Uh, Joining us out of Barry, I'm not sure what city, what city you're in. Barry, what city are you calling us from? I'm calling from New Jersey. New Jersey, oh, out on the East Coast. That's exactly right. Barry, how you doing there? Okay. Hey, Barry. Oh, that's wonderful. Listen, uh, we, we, we got the foul shot doc with us right now. Am I right? Did I say that right, yes, Barry? Yes, sir. And, and, and so we're talking <laughs> about the Jordan rule. So, I mean, who better to talk to than the foul shot doc when it comes to 
Kobe being beat up because that means Kobe probably got to go to the line a lot. Now, is he going to be able to? I mean, Kobe is a very, very good free throw shooter. But, uh, I mean, the kind of punishment he's going to get tonight, again, he's, he's, I don't think he would have ever have seen this kind of punishment before. Is well, Kobe Bryant going to be able to drop those foul shots? Well, he's very determined. He's mentally tough. He will take his time going up to the line, and he will knock them down. Um, he's shown that throughout his career. Uh, he's going to be playing for a home crowd. Even with the home crowd cheering MVP, MVP, he's able to block that out and focus in on the, the task at hand. I don't know if you realize this, but 25% of all the points scored in the game are from the three-throw line. 35% of all points scored in the game's last five minutes are three throws, and 67% of all points scored in the last minute by the winning team are three throws. And I think the Lakers have an edge because they're better three-throw shooters, and particularly they're better players, you know, um, are above league average, including Bryant and Gasol. Um, You know, they only have a couple, and Fisher, you know, shoots 85%. Whereas um, on the Celtics, you got Rondo, who's a career 62% shooter. poor. And it's gotten worse and worse as the playoffs gone along. You know, in the first round, he was shooting 83%, way above his career average of 62. In the second round, 65%. Conference finals, 57. And in the finals against the Lakers, he's now 417. And if you notice, they're playing off him, allowing him to shoot. They'd rather have him shoot 15 mm-hmm. footers and take their sh- chances. And certainly, they're going to put him on the line, just like, you know, the Hackershack or, you know, Dwight Howard a couple of three years back. They just foul him each time he has the ball. Don't let him go to the cup. Hammer him hard. And uh, I think that's a big advantage for the Lakers. Well, uh, I'm going to agree with you about those percentages that you you broke down to us when it comes to foul shots. But I also believe this. uh, You know, a lot of points are scored from the free throw line, but there are a lot of foul shots that are missed from the free throw line, too. And I'm sure those stats that you just gave to us, you probably reverse those and see if the team that misses their foul shots probably don't win the game. If you look at the stats and say, okay, wow, these guys were at the line so many times, but they missed them. And we Absolutely. always we look at that, and those teams who don't. And I, for me, let me ask you this, uh, Barry, why is it that foul shots are such difficult shots for so many professional basketball players when – you're there at the line. I mean, you're there. Nobody's bothering you. The noise, so what? You learn how to kind of, you know, put that out of your mind. Why is it that a foul shot is so difficult for professional basketball players? Well, it's particularly difficult for the big guys because ever since they were little, they were, you know, younger, they were told to stand by the basket, get rebounds, and put the ball back in, such as Shaq, you know, Dwight Howard, Will Chamberlain, you know, going down the list. So there are no t- Kendrick Perkins is a horrible three-throw shooter. You know, the only good big bigs that are good free-throw shooters typically are the Europeans who can shoot from the outside as well, like Nowitzki, Gasol. Um, and the reason is, you know, here they are playing all their game, banging down low, getting rebounds, putting it back in, told never to shoot from 15 feet. Now all of a sudden, they're 15 feet away from the basket where they were told really never to shoot from. And, the, you know, the crowd's quiet. It's not in the heat of battle. The adrenaline's not pumping up. Everybody's watching them from a place they haven't really been familiar with or shot from, whereas your guards are used to shooting from the perimeter. I well, think that, well, that's a big factor. Well, Barry, let me say this, and I, I appreciate that, but let me kind of counter that a little bit. I, I mean, every coach I've ever played for, everybody had to shoot foul shots. Right. And so, uh, you know, a foul shot is something, of course, you go to the line and you shoot it. The, the shots that you're talking about from 15 feet, a lot of those point guards are, you know, shooting those as, as jump shots. But 
the foul line, everybody, we go to round robin, everybody goes there. You got to shoot so many foul shots before you go home. You got to make so many before you go mm-hmm. home. They just don't make them. I mean, they get the same type of practice and the same amount of time to practice, and they should practice it more. Well, I don't think they practice it on their own as much, you know, when they're away from that particular practice. So that's a lack and, of discipline. And I don't think they shoot it in pressure situations. They don't shoot it where they're, you know, screaming fans, where the music's blasting, where fans have thunder sticks in the background. Um, you know, that's where the mental aspect of tuning it all out comes into play when they realize it's, you know, the same 15 feet away, same 10 feet high, you know, same circumference of the basket, whether in their backyard, whether in the gym by themselves, or in front of 20,000 people. Hey, and, hey, you know, the pressure comes into play when they don't have the mental toughness. Hey, Jairus, he talked about mental toughness, and, and I talked about discipline. Your personal opinion about foul shots, big fellas make them, big fellas don't make them. Is it a lack of, uh, you know, them practicing and putting time in the gym, or, or is it uh, a technique, something you think? It may be technique, because I kind of agree with what he's saying as far as they're playing down low. So for the most part, you know, growing up, they're you know, putting in layups, you know, they're, or they're dunking, or they're playing in the paint. And when they're outside, even if it's from, you know, the wing or, or from the free throw line, it's, it's they're in a place where they're not familiar with. And if they're there quiet and just sitting there and you know, just thinking, then it's kind of tough for them. So I, I don't know if that has to do with mental discipline. It's more so than just not being comfortable outside of the paint. Yeah, but he said something else, too. And, and, and i got to be honest, I've kind of noticed that. He, he said the Europeans, you know, they play ball a little bit different. Now, you got Dirk Nowinski. He shoot a pretty good, you know, percentage in terms of foul shots. And you got Paul Gasol. He shoot a pretty good percentage, percentage yeah. of foul shots, you know. But, you yeah. know, here in the American turf, our big fellas, they, they're not doing it. And I think it's a thing where perhaps maybe they're just not practicing enough. Yeah, Tony. 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 Let me ask you, Tony. You uh, you shaking your head over there. You agree with that? What do you disagree <laughs> with that? One? No, I, I I I agree to to a certain extent. I think there there are two factors. One is it may be physical because you see bigger guys have bigger hands, and it may be more difficult for them to you know get a true good roll. You know, as a true shooter would uh, in you know rolling the wrist back and then rolling it off your fingers. One. The other may be the fact that. Typically, a big man is underneath the goal, back turned, really aggressive. The proximity proximity of other bodies are really close, so you know you see a guy doing um, uh, more reactive and, and aggressive uh, moves. Whereas when you get to the line, you see a lot of guys take deep breaths. You see them try to relax and get in a, a comfort zone. Um, and I'm not too sure if big guys are really accustomed, accustomed to that because when they have the ball in their hands underneath the underneath the net, they are being really aggressive. Well, I'll tell you what, Bear, we got uh, we got you, of course, and, and you're the doctor and all this. But, you know, the doctor, you know, I'm hoping there's not just the foul shots you're concentrating on. Obviously, as a basketball coach, you've seen more and you've taught more and you've done more. Looking at this game tonight, what do you think is going to be the difference? Is it really going to boil down to foul shots or is there something else that we should be I, looking I think, for tonight? I think that's a big key. I also think a big key is, um, you know, our test keeping his head screwed on correctly, playing like he did in game six rather than game five, and trying not to overdo things. I think another big key is um, the Lakers getting the ball to Gasol and Odom frequently and often because they have a high advantage and they're you know going to the basket pretty well and doing things that way. I think going inside out will help the Lakers rather than depending on sometimes the one-on-one play of Bryant. Uh, you know, he was brilliant in, the, you know, that third quarter of game five, 
but they still don't win that game. I think when uh, there's more touches around and you work from the inside out, I think it opens up um, you know, Fisher and some of the other three-point shooters a little bit better because first you're collapsing the defense and then making that pass outside also helps quite a bit. Well, we've seen we've seen Kobe Bryant play basketball a couple different ways. There's been many times throughout this playoff series where Kobe has uh, taken his time for him to become aggressive. And Phil Jackson, through many interviews, has said, well, he's not trying to get his shot. What he's doing, he's trying to get his other teammates involved. From your perspective, Barry, tonight, does Kobe jump right into it? And does he take it, you know, the bull by the horn? Or does he kind of walk slowly and get his other teammates involved and then turn it on. I think it's a tough balancing act. I don't think he, he has to be passive and pass it every time, but I don't think he needs to come out necessarily firing jumpers. I think when they went and had him driving to the hoop and posting up, uh, he was more effective both getting to the line with fouls and also getting his teammates involved who were cutting off of the triangle. I think when they abandon the triangle and it's merely one-on-one, I think that takes away... You know, all players want to get involved, and even if you have Fisher bring the ball up and then give it to Bryant, it's better than Bryant coming up and doing it all himself. Because if you're on the court and you're just playing defense and rebounding and you don't get a chance to touch the ball offensively, it's a little difficult to then get in the flow. Yeah, right. So hey, I, I, hey, think, I think it's a balancing act. I think he needs to be aggressive. I think he needs to get his teammates involved. I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's a blending of those. But when, and that's when they play the best. Like, and they played that way in game one. And no one was beaten if, if they played that way that they did in game one. Yeah, after they won game one, I think they pretty much wanted to give them the series because, after all, <laughs> they said the team that won game one normally in a seven-game series, championship series, uh, a great percentage of the time they would win that. Hey, Bear, why don't you tell us a little bit? I, I think there's a website out there that you have. Uh, but before you tell us about that website, I want you to tell us uh, who you got, who's going to win, and why they're going to win. And then tell us about your website. Well, I think L.A. is going to win. Um, I think they want it more. I think they remember the uh, the last game in, in Boston two years ago when they got killed and when the bus was rocked by the fans after uh, the ball game trying to leave the arena. I think, um, I think they are hungrier. I think they are hungrier. I think if they're mentally tough and they play through some spurts of Boston, I, I think they're, um, they're going to win. Okay, I also so have a little rooting interest for them also, which I got to admit as well. Okay, we'll let that one go. But <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about that website and what you're doing out there. Okay, it's www.foulshotdoc.com, which is F-O-U-L-S-H-O-T-D-O-C.com. And I work with players both on and off the court with a lot of aspects of their game, and most specifically with shooting and then again with foul shooting. So if I need to get on the court with them to change some technique issues, which, you know, uh, one of your uh, people was talking about, you know, the big hands for big players, sometimes you have to make an adjustment, you know, in technique, which happens, you know, quite frequently. And then uh, if they're, you know, also players can be very good in practice. Shaq had a foul shot coach and was excellent in practice. But then when he went to game situation, it was the mental point that one of your other uh, correspondence was talking about before where it was a different situation so I also use you know some sports psychology relaxation techniques off the court to help people focus and with some imagery to see themselves using the proper technique seeing the ball go through the net so it's a combination of physical and mental aspects 
that we're bringing to the table. And, oh. you know, so I'm not just a sports psychologist. I have been a college basketball coach. I know the game real well, but I also know the mental aspect. Okay. Hey, Barry, we appreciate your call. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that is our first. No, that's our second person who's jumped on the wagon of the Lakers. So the Lakers up 2-0. Listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice <laughs> America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. Tony Bowie in the studios with me. And, of course, I got my man Jairus McIntyre holding on. We'll be right back after this. Hey, Ray, thanks for your time. No problem. Yeah, yeah. Comprehend the guidelines. My chest out, chinchilla all relaxed on the sideline. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Listen for the right turn with J.J. O'Malley. It's an insider's look at America's fastest-growing motorsports series, the Grand Am Rolex Sports Car Series, presented by Crown Royal Cask Number 16. You'll hear about what happened last weekend and get a preview of what's coming up next. From the Rolex 24 at Daytona through Watkins Glen International, Mid-Ohio, Laguna Seca, right up to the championship at Homestead Miami Speedway. The Right Turn with J.J. O'Malley, broadcast live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Power Up Motorsports Channel. Journey into the realm of spirit, the source of all things. Master fear in these tumultuous times and learn ancient ways to abundant love and healing. Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity, will awaken the unique genius within you. Host Christina Pratt challenges you to initiate your innate powers within to gain health, well-being, and joy through the practices of Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. Tune in each week to Why Shamanism Now, Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on 7th Wave Network. The IS Outdoors Talk Radio Show brings two well-known outdoorsmen to the Voice America Network with hunting and fishing info news, talking about everything from new sporting gear, places to hunt and fish, and getting more from your recreation time. Join hosts Brock Ray and Don Kirk Thursday mornings at 7 a.m. Pacific time for IS Outdoors on the Voice America Sports Channel. With their combined experience of 60 years in the woods, Brock and Don have traveled widely, creating TV shows and writing articles on hunting and fishing. Blessed with down-home humor, they are also well-versed in environmental concerns, firearms ownership, and animal rights issues. IS Outdoors offers brisk interaction with the audience, soliciting opinions and questions on a wide range of outdoor subjects. Tune in every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific time to the IS Outdoors Talk Radio Show with Brock Ray and Don Kirk, right here on the Voice America Sports Channel. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at Tough the shot. Got it with 2.8 seconds left. To left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. Got my friend Tony Bowie here in the studios with me. Tony, of course, will be starting his show uh, sometime in August. Also, Jairus McIntyre and Jairus will be starting his show as well uh, in the August season. And and now on the line with me, I have a man who's been with us for uh, quite some time, been doing an outstanding job with us here on Voice America Sports, double time with Double D double-time Super Bowl champion, Double D, 
Dave Doris and my frat brother. Dave, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, my brother. It's good to be on with you, man. Man, I'm glad to have you, Dave. And I, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, Tony don't have that, you know, he don't have that jewelry on right now. And so I'm not sure <laughs> if he has it. I can't see, I don't, but I don't think, I don't think Jairus has any of that jewelry. But you got two of them Super Bowl championship rings. We were talking about perhaps maybe, Dave, this, going into this game tonight, you know, it's like you got to play it like it's any other game. Now, I'm talking from a perspective that I don't have a clue because I never play in a Super Bowl championship game. Let me ask you. You played in two. You won two. Right. How is that feeling the night before and the day of getting ready for that game? Is the preparation just like any other game, Dave? Not at all, Ray. In fact, um, uh, when I won it with the Bears in 85 when we beat the Patriots, in New Orleans, no, when you killed the Patriots, yeah, you didn't just beat them, you killed them. It was a natural beatdown. There <laughs> um, wasn't a whole lot of sleeping going on the night before. Um, just restless energy and, you know, of course, going through all the imagery and everything and thinking about how fast the game was going to be played. You know, the one thing we talk about in the NFL is playoff speed. And uh, each round of the playoffs is faster, and that's particularly true in terms of the Super Bowl. I've always described it as, being played at 450 miles an hour, and I backed that up by by saying that uh, when we won in, in 85, I only remember three plays from the entire game. Wow. And the reason uh, behind that is that, you know, every time I lined up, uh, Tony, I know you can appreciate this, and Ray, you certainly can, every time I lined up, you know, I would just say a quick prayer, which was, Lord, please don't let it be me. <laughs> and so that was the only thing that was running through my mind as the play went on, was executing the play and surviving to play another down. And uh, I, I will, will tell you, likewise, for the Lakers and the Celtics tonight, you know, as I was watching game six, every turnover that Boston had cost them opportunities against the Lakers in game six. And so in regards to, um, you know, preparation for tonight's game, no different than when I played my second Super Bowl uh, when I was with the Giants. That night before, Lawrence Taylor and I, um, uh, Otis Anderson and Stacey Robinson, of course this was Otis Anderson's first Super Bowl, but for the rest of us this was our second Super Bowl, we were up playing Bid Wiz all night. We played Bid Wiz <laughs> till 7.30 Sunday morning. Wow. And then went to sleep and got a good you know, six, seven hours of sleep and then reported to the stadium and, and um, you know, we beat Buffalo uh, when uh, Scott Norwood went wide right. Mm -hmm. Now, Dave, total, let me ask total you. difference because we had we had been there before. Was okay. So was that was that confidence? Was that nervousness where you couldn't sleep, or or, or what was that? It was it was it was confidence, and uh, having been there before. Something to be said about having had that experience before. Everson Walls was like a kid in a candy store. He didn't he couldn't sleep at all, and, and he was my roommate. So I just simply said, man, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and stay down in Lawrence's room. We're going to just go ahead and, go and continue to play cards. Because Walls was just, he was literally climbing the walls. He wasn't getting no rest. Wow. Yeah. And, wow. Um, you know, and so I'm like, well, man, you, know, you, you do your thing. I'm going to go play cards, you know, because we're cool. You know, I mean, because, again, having been there before, we were going to spend all day Sunday sitting around thinking about it. Right, right. It's, it's a different, that, that game day is a longer day for the yeah, players than any yeah, other day. Monday night football for that very same reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's right. A, it's a night game. Well, Dave, let me say, I could, I'm, I'm almost going to take you almost back to that same, you know, time and place because the Jordan rules came in effect around your second Super Bowl. Am I right? That's correct. 
Okay, so uh, I mean, you there in Chicago at that time? Your second Super Bowl was was with with the Giants, uh, but you obviously had to be very close to that situation. When you now look back upon it, you see the Jordan rules and how effective they were. Do you envision some Kobe rules tonight? Uh, I I don't, and, and and the only reason is that you know you've got uh, you've got Kevin Garnett um, and. Um, and uh, I think that with the respect that he gets and Ray Allen, the respect that, that those two individuals get, you know, they pretty much balance out that Kobe factor. And, um, you know, of course, I've, I've, I was listening to the show earlier, and I, I know you've got a number of guys who are pulling for the Lakers and believe the Lakers are going to win. I'm of the ilk that, that uh, the Celtics will win simply because of, of younger, uh, younger legs and, uh, and that aggression. But both teams have won a world championship, so – you know, the experience factors there. And quite frankly, you know, because uh, Perkins is out and is hurt, I think that bodes well for the Celtics because now they have to play as a team. And, um, you know, when you're talking about big men and their ability to shoot, Rasheed Ellis is the exception to the big man uh, and his ability to shoot the rock coming from the United States. He's not afraid to pull that ball up from outside the three-point range, and, uh, and he can rain that three. So, uh, I've got to give the edge to Boston and the fact that uh, that they're a little bit hungrier. I, I think it's going to be interesting to, to find out if does. Do you know if, if Scalabrini will be activated because Perkins is out? And, and Scalabrini is a guy that's going to come in with some pretty good intensity. You, you know, know I think the, we got, I think we need to check, look that up. I'm, I'm not sure if the, the activation would have had. It, it could be a game time decision. Now, when they make those game time decisions in the NBA, I think they are truly game time decisions where they, unlike the NFL. You know, we have to have our information in well in advance. I think they can truly make some game-time decisions. Well, Perkins is, is out because he, he tore two ligaments in his knee. Right. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, I could swore that I, I saw somebody. And, Dave, this kind of leads us into what happened earlier today when I was on Dave's show. And, and there are there are remedies for certain things sometimes. And, I've, I've come on, guys, we've heard guys play on broken legs, yeah. you, yeah. Know, you know, ligaments, cartilage, you know, whatever kind of juice they put in their bodies. You know, guys have made some miraculous returns. And I don't know if we're going to see a Willis Reed tonight or not. You know, but but I, I, I would just say this. You know, all those things that Dave uh, mentioned, uh, there was one other thing that we mentioned earlier, Dave, and again, because of your ties to the Chicago Bulls, you know, back in that day, you know, here we have Phil Jackson. And, and, and you uh, have been around some very strong-willed coaches. You know, he's never been in a game seven. How do you perceive him approaching this game tonight, and, and how, do, how does he coach through this game up against Doc Rivers? I, I think this is going to be psychologically, uh, I think Phil's going to have a number of things going on. Of course, you know, he's the Zen master, no doubt about it. But, you know, it's been rumored that this would be his last game as a Lakers coach. I, I think that, uh, that that could very well be true. Um, having said that, you know, I think that, that factors in. And, um, you know, likewise, um, you know, just the uniqueness of, of the way this particular series has gone. You know, both teams have pretty much dominated, uh, you know, the, the four quarters of, of the particular game that they won. And so, uh, you know, out of the box today, I would, I would imagine that, that Phil would be looking for Kobe to take it over and get, get him into a rhythm. But, um, you know, my, uh, my, my thought is that Phil himself will be out of rhythm simply because of, all of the rumors that, are, that are, have been surrounding what's going to happen with LeBron James and, and Dwayne Wade and Chicago 
uh, you know, expressing interest and a number of other teams expressing interest in Phil Jackson. And they both, the coaches, I'm going to say this, Doc has done it, you know, Phil has done it. They've both kind of thrown some fuel on the fire, of which I'm sure they don't care. that They were mic'd up. Uh, but do you think, uh, you know, tonight, uh, going into this game, the things that were previously said in, in Phil's case is that, you know, this team finds a way to lose a game in the fourth quarter, right. you know. And, and on the other, in, in Doc's case, Doc is like, listen, guys, you guys have never lost. And so... It could actually those comments that were that were made previously are still going to be a major factor in tonight's game. This 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 you know this Celtics yeah. team has still never lost a series. Yeah. Yeah. You know it could come down to the fourth quarter and Phil could say again they throw the game away in the fourth quarter. You know I mean the, the stage has said this is going to be uh, it should go down in history. I would be disappointed. And I'm going to ask you this, uh, Dave, to give us your perspective on this. I would be disappointed if this game doesn't go, as we always say in football, it's going to come down to the fourth quarter and it's going to come down to, you know, maybe a special team's play. I would be disappointed if this doesn't go, and, and we always say to, it goes right down to the wire, if this doesn't go right down to the wire. Yeah, I, I, would, I would expect that today's game, as I said, it, it appears, um, you know, from the, the six previous games, at least the last two in particular, that you know there was total command by the team that ended up winning. When Boston won um, Game Five, and then the Lakers came back in six, uh, you know, those were total dominations. I would expect that, that that this game would be down to the wire. You know, as we talk about, of course, you know that the, the game doesn't start until the last two minutes. Yeah. But but all of those comments that Phil Jackson's made and what have you, you know, um, lead me to believe, as I said earlier, that Boston will be hungrier. You know, you know, we talk about that in football in particular. That all that, all those quotes and the, the, you know, the this billboard material that ends up giving guys hype. But Boston was already there because of the injury to Perkins. That that they they realize that they're going to have to step up and and more guys are going to have to crash the boards to get to get rebounds. They're going to have to get second uh, chance opportunities, et cetera, Which means that that uh, the forwards and the, and the two guard are going to have to spend more time in the paint when the ball's in the air than they would otherwise. And, and I think that bodes well, having that extra body in the paint uh, when the ball is moving around for boxing guys out. And so, you know, there again, I, I think that this may be the one instance where Phil's comments, where he's trying to get into the psyche of the Boston Celtics, his comments come back to haunt he and the Lakers. Okay, Dave, one last question, and only you can answer this question. Uh, you won those Super Bowl championships. What is it? What part of tonight's celebration, or you know, the, the oh wow, we did it? Do you think will happen tonight with these guys? I mean, w- w- will they actually realize that as soon as the game is over? You know, hours later, minutes later. When do you think, based upon your experience, was wow? It really hits you when? Uh, it's it's when the media and everybody leaves the locker room. Uh, it'll be about a forty-five or uh, minutes to an hour after the after the the game is actually over, that it'll begin to hit guys that they're actually world champions, and then uh, no sooner than it hits them that they're that they're world champions, as they leave the ro- the locker room, they'll say, "Wow, now we're defending champs." Wow, and See? so we got to get back to work. But thank God it's over. But man, here we go again. Wow. Hey, Dave, I I just want to thank you, man, because, again, you know, that's what we try to do here at Voice America Sports is bring it to them from a player's perspective. You can't get that perspective from anybody who's never done it before. 
Dave, want to congratulate you on doing it twice, double time with Double D here on Voice America Sports. You can hear him whenever you want to on demand, but you're also live when, Dave? I'm on Thursdays, uh, noon Pacific, 3 Eastern, and uh, it's a powerful hour, man. We're, it's not football 101. We bring it to you real and uncut. Hey, and that's a unique man. Appreciate you, Fred. Take care, man. I'll be in touch with you. Okay, buddy. My, my pleasure. You guys have a good time. Thank right, you. Double D. Okay. Hey, Jairus. Is Jairus still with us? Yeah, I'm still here. I'm still here. Hey, hey Jairus, now, now I just, I just want to ask you that question, man. You hear a man talk about winning two Super Bowl rings, and as I, I always pose a question to us here. You know, we've never had a chance to, to win that. So as you watch this championship game tonight, and, and you're going to watch one team win and one team lose, when you watched over the past couple of years, perhaps maybe, you know, after the career ended, do you feel like you missed something? Yeah, I do, but I don't. You know, I I take everything that I've done and, you know, take it in stride. But when you see the guys actually just win the championships, it's kind of like, man, I, you know, I wonder how that feeling is. You know what I'm saying? So you, you think about it like that. Every time you see a championship, whether it's the World Series, the finals, or the Super Bowl, you just look at it as like, dang, I wonder how that feeling really is. And I appreciate that honesty, man, because yeah. I, I will say that that's my – I mean, two NFC Championship games, I mean, they were that – and they went down to the wire. They were that close. But, uh, I, but I didn't get a chance to, to get it to the next level. And so I uh, missed that. Tony, so how about, how about you, Tony? Yeah, when, when I watch, I, I feel like, uh, you know, I live vicariously just through the guys that are playing. I, I look at it from a perspective. It's not just that guy on that team in that moment. But it is, you know, his wife, his children, his family that are experiencing the same highs and lows that he's experiencing um, when he's going, when he's, whether, whether you win the game or whether you lose the game. One of the things that, that I was disappointed in my life, uh, you know, but it just wasn't my time. You know, guys had families and, and kids would come into the locker room. I, I wasn't married at the time. I met my wife afterwards. But I remember, um, you know, guys would bring their, you know, kids would come into the locker room after the game and, and we'd all be getting dressed, and you know, and, and kids would be helping their dads, uh, you know, put their helmets away. And I thought that's that's a really cool moment. And um, you know, I wasn't able to have a family at the time to experience that. So when I see, t- you know, uh, games like this, uh, game sevens, and guys participating in high pressure situations at the at the uh, peak of their performance, um, you know, I just I, I'd smile and really just want to see a good game. Hey, Jairus, let me ask you, man, when you, when you play in the league and, and, you, and you look back on things, because we always look at, at we, we don't say, I don't regret it, you know, you know, and it probably wouldn't have done anything different. But when it comes to making plays, we have to be honest with ourselves and we truly assess our play in a game. Was there a play or two where you think perhaps maybe if you had to do it all over again, you would have done it differently and maybe the outcome of a game might have been different? Oh... Uh... That's tough to say. I mean, are you mean you're meaning in general? Yeah, no, I mean, I mean you and you in particular because see, I, I've got a couple plays and and only a couple. <laughs> I want to say only a couple, but man, I wish I could have done something different. And I know what it was in that particular play uh, because I was trying to actually help somebody else. Now mm-hmm. it was only a first down, but still, first down extended the series of downs, and wow, you know. So because those are the things that hey. If I maybe would have done that differently, I might have got that chance to play in that Super Bowl, you know. So Yeah, yeah, I mean, the only one I could probably recall is probably a, a play in in college. We're playing against Eli Manning in uh uh in my senior year 
and it was just a real, real crazy game. And my buddy, he ended up dropping a wide-open touchdown on third and goal. And on fourth and goal, it was kind of like a Hail Mary just throw up. And I tried to get it, and I kind of had it in my hands, but it got knocked out. So I was just like, man, just, you know, that there could have sent me to the, you know, helped me go to the SEC championship from the SEC championship on to the next level. So just that play I could just think off the top of my head. But as far as in Kansas City and anywhere else, I just can't really think of one play that I would, you know, just can think about and just take back. So. Well, that, well, that's okay because I want to ask Tony that same thing because the thing about it is, you know, we can make a million great plays, but mm-hmm. it's the one play or the two plays that we didn't make yeah. that seems to stick with us. Tony, yeah. a play you can remember? Yeah, he, he, immediately two came to mind. One was in college. We were we were undefeated at the time. We had just been on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I played base, uh, football and baseball at the University of Arizona in Tucson. And uh, we were undefeated. We were playing Colorado State at home. And there was one play that, uh, you know, I was playing free safety and I had the tight end. The quarterback uh, kind of eluded a tackle. And uh, the play extended and, and the the uh, tight end turned up field. And he just threw a Hail Mary to the guy and ended up being a touchdown. We ended up losing that game. Uh, and that that's one play in college that, that burns me. And the one in the NFL, we were playing the uh, – uh, uh, the Green Bay Packers on a Monday night, and we were p- preparing this one particular play that Brett Favre always throws, and uh, and you know we were supposed to bait you know him to throw it, and I did it, and then I actually took one extra step too far, ended up slipping, and the ball hit me right in my chest, and uh, and fell to the ground, and I remember looking up, and all I saw was open field to the to the end zone, all I had to do was hold on and, and run the other way, and it had been a touchdown. And, you know, yeah. Tony, I've, I've had one of those plays happen before, too, you know, and they always say to us, you know, that's why we DBs, you know. You always remember those, be- those those plays, those not-so-good plays. It's stick in your mind. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's because our, our strive for perfection. Yeah. I mean, that, that's yeah, what it's always, really all about. Yeah, always, it's, it's about always. I want to do it. I want to be perfect. And not that I'm trying to be perfect as a person, but, but our work. You know, we want to be a perfectionist at that. And, and and being in the secondary, you know, all of us, you know, doing that, that type of thing, whereas, what, what, I'm sorry, Jairus, you've been a wide up, but me and Tony being, uh, you know, secondary, you can't make mistakes, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, wide out, even if a wide out drops a pass, nobody expects you to catch 100% of, mm-hmm. of the passes. But DB, you don't get a chance to catch the ball yeah. that many times. It's few and so far between. Us, you better catch it. Catch it whenever you can. So, so we, we talked about comparing football to basketball, we talk about this thing coming down to the wire. We talk about uh, the Lakers having a chance to perhaps maybe Kobe and Phil Jackson have a chance to make some history. But if I'm not mistaken, doesn't Doc Rivers have a chance to make some history too? Wouldn't this be his second NBA championship that he would have gone to and the second one that he would have won? It would it'd be his second uh, in three years. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, it, and, and to win his first two. Not not two, but the fact that he would win his first two, first two. you know, it's got to be, uh, you know, some history there. So, you know, we, we got to give kudos uh, to Doc Rivers. But I'm, I, I got to take this time out now because it's, we're, we're winding down to our last five minutes. And, and I'm going to ask uh, Tony. Tony, I'm going to ask you, you know, give us, you know, your assessment of the game tonight, you know, how it's going to work out, who's going to win and why they're going to win and how they're going to win. My my big point is going to be, will Brian Scalabrini, who comes in uh, later in the game, will he give good minutes 
in replacement of Perkins. He won't start. It'll probably be Big, uh, uh, Big Baby or Rashid that ends up starting. But Scalabrini has to give quality minutes uh, on the defensive board and score a few points. Um, it's going to come down to the wire. Every team, Both teams are going to be amped. The crowd's going to be crazy. There are going to be some tight sphincters in the end. But I think it's going to be the Celtics that pull it out. Well, we finally got our first vote for the Celtics. So, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Jairus, early on, y- you said a little bit that made us, you know, led us to believe that you were pulling for the Lakers and you kind of thought the Lakers were going to win. If that's right, why don't you reiterate that? Give us a little bit more inside perspective of how they're going to win. And, and again, just remind us again of why you think they're going to win. I just think with that crowd, you know, in the Staples Center, with that energy, the energy goes, you know, refers goes right to defense with that defense plan, and you have Kobe, Paul, and Lamar. If they show up on that offensive end and with the energy and the defense, I just don't think can go against those Lakers. I'm, I'm with Boom Boom. What's the name? Boom Boom, right? Boom Boom. <laughs> boom Boom. <laughs> I'm with Boom Boom all the way. I'm about to start celebrating now. <laughs> yeah, Boom Boom is out there in LA celebrating, like he said. I mean, yeah, they yeah. they truly are celebrating. Uh, yeah, and I'm gonna tell you what. I really believe that that's exactly what's happening in L.A. I mean, L.A., supposed to be L.A. is the place. And I think L.A. has always had kind of a sense of confidence. It's like, okay, other than New York, everybody want to be. If you ain't in L.A., you want to be in New York. And so I think there is a sense of confidence out there uh, that those folks in L.A. really believe that tonight is their stage and tonight is their night. Kobe Bryant, does Kobe believe that? I'm sure Kobe believes yeah, that. I mean, Kobe is not, you know, you might as well not even call timeout to win the game. Pretty much like that game against the Jazz, I think, when Michael was sick. And, and he somehow or another, he just willed himself to do whatever it took to win that game. I would like to see, I would like to see a Michael Jordan moment when they beat the Cavaliers and Kobe do something like that. Or, or Big Shot Rob shot at the end of the yeah, game, yeah. you know, from uh-huh. one team or another. I'd like for it to go down and for yeah. it to be that close. I'm not sure that's. I'm, I'm not sure that's. Now gonna remember when when earlier in the series when Kobe took over and scored 38 or or, or, or so they ended up losing the game. Yeah, when now, he, right when he died, when he has when he has to take it upon himself they don't always win. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that's why I said it. they're going to need Lamar and Paul and and Ron to play an average game because I think with those guys playing average and Kobe playing Kobe being Kobe it's just it's just too hard to beat the Lakers. But that's but why average. I Average, Jairus, means you got to score at least double figures because yeah, yeah, it, because yeah, when Kobe's yeah. the only person scoring, 15. when Kobe's the only one scoring double figures, they don't win, and, yeah, and we yeah, saw that. Right. We saw that like I think it was Game Five, where I think every, Gasol's the only one that had double figures besides yeah. Kobe. Yeah. But uh-huh. it's going to be an interesting game. I just hope that the fans get what they've been waiting for. I, I, you know, a real hard-fought Game Seven down to the wire, looking like a Super Bowl. You know, looking like a national championship in college at the basketball level. But I'm going to say what I got to say. I got to go with Kobe. Kobe. Kobe Bryant doing his thing. Get off the Lakers. (laughs) I'm not on the bandwagon. That's that (laughs) Lower Marion thing. Kobe, you know what that is. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I want to thank all my friends out there. Double D. Yes, sir. That's Dave Dorison, two-time Super Bowl champion. Jairus McIntyre. Appreciate it. Why I receive out there with the Kansas City Chiefs back in the day. And, of course, my man right here in the studio with me, Tony Bowie, going to be doing his thing on Voice America Sports. As I said, you've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network, and I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Be my star, baby, cause in the dark, you can't be
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.